All right, welcome to Sports with a Cuppa. Want to get into a few things, but let's start with uh, NFL, mainly Cowboys. Um, there have been some more coaching hires, which is good for them. Raheem Morris to Atlanta uh, seems to be a very favorable choice amongst players and media. We'll see. Adrian Griffin looked like a really popular choice amongst players and media, and that didn't go well, but I'll get to that in a second. Read a really good article from Inside the Star, Richard Paulinelli. I hope I'm saying his name right. I'm talking about the running back situation for the Cowboys. Um, really interesting thoughts. Um, basically, summing up what he said... Don't overpay Pollard. You can look to free agency or the draft to fill the RB1 slot. And they need to use uh, Deuce Vaughn more like um, Darren Sproles was used in the past for like the Chargers. And that Rico Dowell is the perfect RB2. I will agree with this. You do not need to overpay a running back. That money needs to go to the O-line. Um, he did throw out bringing in Derrick Henry. He believes Derrick Henry still has at least two good years in him. I, I agree with that. And the Cowboys O-line is definitely better than the Titans O-line. But it could still be better. And it needs to be better. Because at the end of the day, a great offensive line doesn't matter who's in the backfield. It doesn't. You can have a 1,000-yard rusher back there, and you may never even heard of him before. But if your O-line is good, it'll happen. So I don't necessarily agree that they should go and get Derrick Henry. If they'd gone, that'd be great, because I love Derrick Henry. I'm a Titans fan. I've loved Derrick Henry for a while. But again, you don't need a star running back. You don't need to spend a lot of money there to get what you need from the running game. I do agree, yes, that Deuce Vaughn needs to get used more. He's got a unique skill set and unique abilities. He's not going to go and probably get you a thousand yards rushing or anything like that, but he can make plays, and that's what you need. You need guys that can just make straight up make plays. The thing with the Cowboys is they just need to come to some harsh realizations. Your O-line has nice names and they're getting paid, but they're not good enough. Your D-line is not good enough. Your secondary is not good enough. <clears throat> but again, losing Diggs and losing Van Der Esch were tough blows. But they still didn't have a shutdown corner. And I think stopping the run would have been a little better with Van Der Esch if he was healthy, but it still was bad. It still probably would have ended up being bad. Because the thing is, you people fall in love with the numbers, but at the end of the day, those numbers are skewed because they were great against the bad teams. Like, Remember, like the Giants didn't score a touchdown on them until like the third or fourth quarter of the second matchup. 
They demolished the Giants. They demolished Washington. They killed the bad teams. So when you have a bad game, the numbers don't look as bad overall. So they need to realize that, you know what? Our secondary is not good enough. It's good, but it's not good enough. You have playmakers, but nothing that makes a quarterback say, I can't throw to that side of the field. They will still throw at Diggs, and they will throw at Bland. They're, nobody's really scared of that. At least not the good teams. Your linebacking core can be better, and obviously you need a run-stuffing D-line. I mean, I've, we've discussed this before. But, yeah, I mean, he threw out the running back from Washington. Hell, even that running back from Michigan. Just somebody with good instincts that can go north and south, break some tackles, and be a workhorse uh, would be good. And it would also save you money that you can use to upgrade where you need to. And whether or not Dan Quinn leaves or not, I mean, he's intervening with Washington and Seattle. Whether he comes back or not, if you don't, if you think you're good enough as is, you're gonna lose. <laughs> you're you're not good enough to beat San Francisco, and you're not good enough to beat Detroit. The good news is you're definitely good enough to beat Philly, Washington, and New York. So the division should be yours. But as far as going second NFC Championship Super Bowl you're still probably the third best team in the NFC. So acknowledge it, make the changes, fix the problems, and go from there. So let's go to Adrian Griffin. <laughs> kind of a, I mean, just a weird thing for a team to have the second best record in the league. Well, not the league, but the Eastern Conference. And then fire your coach. <clears throat> Excuse me. Now, a lot of people are coming to his defense. Saying, hey, it's on the players. The players have to play defense. The players have to be better on the defensive end. They have to put the effort in. But at the end of the day, oh, well, that team, they're too slow. They don't have the athleticism on the perimeter. It wasn't his fault. Those are the same things I was saying when they fired Coach Bud. The reason they're falling short in Milwaukee is not because of the coach. It's because of the roster. They got they caught breaks when they went on their championship run. Look, they won the war of attrition. They got there and they got it done. But they caught breaks. That's not to be denied. That should have afforded Coach Bud at least three, four years to get them back. But the fact that nobody would acknowledge that the roster itself just wasn't good enough is ridiculous. Now, were there probably issues with Adrian Griffin? Yeah, probably. First year head coach probably trying to come in and establish a different kind of culture. You've got veterans on that team, all-stars and champions. It might have rubbed Peter the wrong way. Hell, he rubbed Terry Stotts the wrong way, what, 10 days into the season? I mean, and I've never heard... Of, one bad thing about Terry Stotts. So if you piss him off enough to make him want to quit, then there, there might be some attitude issues there. 
that could rub people the wrong way. But we'll probably never know everything that was going on. But they obviously early on knew something wasn't right with the Stotts thing. They brought in doctors to consult. Who knows what Doc was telling them? Probably a lot of it was things that they liked hearing. Not saying Doc sandbagged Griffin, but you know, it, a different voice, a more legit voice telling you things that you like more than what you're hearing from your first time head coach. Yeah, it is what it is. Is Doc the right guy? Man, who who knows? Again, in all honesty, it doesn't even matter. Like I said, if they don't tweak the roster, which they are trying, starting to admit it isn't good enough, they're ready to trade Connaughton and Cameron Payne to upgrade the roster. Finally. Is Doc the guy to get him there? We'll see. Who knows? Because in all honesty, it should still be Coach Bud. I thought he, he when you deliver a championship, you earn, you should earn that kind of latitude. I mean, don't forget, Coach Pop was on the hot seat in 99, delivered a championship, and then we went through three years of falling short. No coaching change. And then we improved the roster. Boom, championship. Just saying. <clears throat> so let's talk about the Spurs, of course. I uh, didn't hop on after the Philly game. It was a good game. I mean, Joel Embiid is playing the best basketball of his career and is just insanely... He's in fuego, if you will. Which is cool, but I will say this. It doesn't count for much in January. You need to do this in May and June. And quite honestly, I think Joel knows it. Which is why he's missing so many games here and there. And not because everybody's talking about, oh, well, is he going to hit the 65 games to be MVP? I don't think he cares. I, I really think he understands that he's starting to figure out how to dominate the game. And he understands that I need to be there when it counts in the playoffs. So I would not be surprised if he does fall short of the 65 and doesn't qualify for MVP. But then goes on and has an <clears throat> insane playoff run. I wouldn't be shocked at that. But yeah, I mean, the game itself was good, though. We only lost by 10. It was competitive the whole way out. And Wimby, I mean, Wimby earned his respect. 30-point-plus game, double-double, made some interesting plays. That finger roll under Embiid's arm was cool. But it was never a game we expected to win. I mean, Embiid has been giving us the business for years. I mean, even when we had Jakob, he put in work. So it's not a shock that Embiid torched us. He just decided not to pass the ball all night, and he made buckets. Fair enough. Tip your hat. But everything was about last night. And a lot of people are overreacting to the loss. 
even I, as a fan, was getting frustrated with the others on this team. But at the end of the day, this game was never about Spurs versus OKC. Even though OKC's coach tried to make it that way, this was always Wimby versus Chet. These teams are on two different cell phone plans right now, okay? OKC is over here trying to get the number one seed and make a finals run. We're just trying to figure stuff out, <laughs> okay? We really are. I thought Blake played good defense in the beginning. He is still figuring things out in terms of decision-making, uh, some silly turnovers. Starting to look for his offense a little more, which is good. Because I'm, I'm telling you, even though he hasn't shown it, just from watching the games in Austin, his shooting is better. He's just... He doesn't know when to look for it unless he's wide open. But his defense is what's going to keep him around. But I think the most important thing that came out of this game was Chet and Wimby may be classified as rookies. But that's kind of where the similarities stop. Chet is a good player. Don't get me wrong. Chet is going to be a good player. Maybe even a future all-star for sure. He's got a dog in him. He's he's got He'll fight. He's a good shooter. Going to be a good player for a long time. There's no disrespect to Chet. But Wimby's on another level. Clearly, he wanted no parts of him. Now, granted, on defense, it was probably OKC's game plan. Hey, Put a smaller, stronger player on Wimby to keep him from getting to his spot. Will come with Chet on the help and force him force the ball out of his hands. Fair enough. But on the other end, Chet wanted no piece of him. The only time Chet went to work is if he was open for three or he had a mismatch. Whereas Wimby wanted him the whole damn game. And he was asked after the game, Wimby was asked... Were your minutes purposely uh, scheduled, you know, were, were they purposely matched to be in when Chet's in? And he kind of played it off like, oh, no, it's just part of the rotation and all that stuff or whatever. I'm paraphrasing. But no, I, I'm telling you, he wanted to be in there if Chet was in there. And at the, at the end of the game, Wimby said, you know what? We're not going to win this game, but I'm still going to let people know you are not rookie of the year. I am. And that's exactly what we saw. And we saw it all game long. But look, hey, Chet got his against smaller guys. Wimby got his through Chet. So to me, people need to understand. And I think you should walk away with a better understanding of like, damn, OKC is a really good team. They got shooters all across the board. Shea is now a second-time All-Star, and he is unstoppable. There's a reason why they're number one, but that reason isn't Chet. So I think now if you can start to have a realistic view of OKC's success, you will come to the realization that, you know what? Wimby is the best rookie. He just is. 
So hopefully people open their freaking eyes. Just saying. But, you know, last night's game has everybody in uproar of, man, we need to get some shooters and we need to get a new point guard and this and that. And it's like, look, there are going to be trades. We are more than likely going to move veterans. And like I've said before, I truly hope we pillage, not pillage, but poach. That's what I'm looking for, poach. A nice young prospect from a team that doesn't have time for him. Like I look at Jordan Walsh in Boston. Bleacher Report put out the, uh, an article about trade targets for teams. They put C.D. Osmond as number one for Boston. I hate to lose CD because he reminds me so much of Marco Bellinelli and you want players like him, but you want players like him when you're ready to win. And we're not there yet. We're not even close. But if we could add a player like Jordan Walsh, a defensive-minded guy that can still get some buckets and is, and we have time to develop him, that could be a real steal. And who knows what? And who knows what's gonna happen with Devonte Graham and Doug? But that's it's gonna be those kinds of moves. It's not gonna be what everybody wants. It's not gonna be DJ. And at this point, and someone posted a screenshot of a Twitter exchange he had with fans, and he still hasn't figured out that you don't need to respond to everything. I don't know how old that conversation was. I don't remember, but. Still, it's just like that's that's not the direction we want to go. <clears throat> we're just not they're not gonna make win now moves. Because the problem is one, we're not ready to win now. And two, let's say they do let's say they went for somebody that you guys wanted. A DJ, a D'Angelo Russell, what whatever. Here's the problem. Pinning on the contract status of the guy you get, the next couple years are still going to be rough. So if you get somebody that only has a couple years left on their contract, they could walk. Right? You can't risk bringing in somebody that's a win-now player and risk them walking when we're not winning yet. Because now you're out the player. You're back at square one with that position or role. And you're out the, the, the draft capital. The assets. They're just not going to risk that now. They just aren't. Wimby's not that level yet to say, oh, one move and will leapfrog all these teams. Like, it's not even close to that yet. It really isn't. But slowly but surely, through draft, through the draft, we are going to add the right guys, hopefully. And then we'll fill in the Gene Sequence gaps. My little, you know, my little Jurassic Park reference. We want to fill in the gaps with everything else. The draft is where we're going to find everything else. Is gonna have, where we're going to find the main pieces is through the draft 
free agency and trades is where we'll fill in the gaps. And now is there a chance they could pull a move off at some point down the line when we're ready? Yeah, maybe. For the right guy, yeah. But it's not happening this season. I'd be shocked. It's nice to make changes and win more games, but in the long run, the most important thing is Wimby having a full healthy season and getting better every game and the guys around him growing and getting better every game. And right now, uh, you know, it's hit or miss. You know, guys, some guys have been playing well. Some guys are a little streaky. Uh, you know, with like Devin, Devin just looks like he's having a hard time getting to his spots. And I think the reasoning is teams have kind of accepted that they can't really stop Wimby. They can only hope that he stops himself by selling for outside shots and such. But what they do know is, hey, we can take his others away. And I think that's kind of the key for the opposing teams. We limit Devin Vassell, do what we can on Keldon and Jeremy. And we'll probably win the game despite anything that Wimby does. Right? I think so. They, while they do need to make a concentrated effort to get the ball to Wimby and play through him, they've got to find a way to get Devin going too. Keldon needs to be aggressive and not get lost in the shuffle. And then last night, Jeremy was just all out of sorts. All out of sorts. He's losing confidence in his shot. And he's not attacking. He's not being ultra aggressive. And when he does attack, he... I don't know. He, like I said, I mean, he's not being ultra aggressive, so he's being hesitant. And then he looks... He wants to make plays for others, which is a nice thought. But... Man, if you're three feet, four feet away from the basket, like that's a high percentage shot, man. Just make the shot. Do something. Instead of just putting it on someone else to make a play or turning the ball over. But, you know, we got a couple weeks to trade deadline. We'll see what happens. There haven't been really any new rumors about anything. Looks like the Lakers are going to pretty much go all in and get DJ, which is, I mean, good for them. Not sure that's really going to put them over the top, but if it makes them feel better, go for it, right? But, yeah, I think... So, in summary, Cowboys have a lot of questions. Milwaukee has questions. And everyone just needs to relax with the Spurs and just settle into the process. And calm down. It's a long season. We knew it was going to be rough. And it just is what it is. As long as Wimby gets rookie of the year. No. Uh, yeah. Just don't lid, temper down expectations for the trades. Understand what's realistic and how they build and just try to try to enjoy the season as best you can uh, thank you for listening appreciate it follow the show twitter instagram 
I'll talk to you soon.